I remember when Husk called me not only to tell me that his wife, Shireen, was pregnant, but he called me in the birthing theatre and had Nova on because Shireen went into labour while I was on air. So they had Nova playing and my voice <laughs> in the background. Oh, my God. And she was giving birth to her beautiful daughter, Layla. podcast for introverts, extroverts, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Chelsea Heaney, and my guest today is an actor, comedian, and presenter. She is currently a radio presenter at Triple M in Melbourne, as well as a presenter for the Richmond Tigers. Please welcome to the show, Sarah Marie Cameron. Oh, what an introduction. Thank oh, I know. <laughs> Thanks for being here. How's it going? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Lovely to be here via our Skype connection. I could just watch you do your thing, as weird as that sounds, because you just have <laughs> the biggest, brightest smile. Oh. <laughs> start the intro and start talking your thing. So, you know, if you ever want some creep in the background just watching on a webcam, sign me up. <laughs> That's so funny. I've actually done a, a couple of these and for some reason when I press record, the, the person I've been talking to, their screen of me has frozen. Oh, no, you are. Yeah, like we could still hear each other and everything, but just the entire interview, they could just see a still of me. And I was like, I hope that I'm like frozen in a good spot. <laughs> but let me tell you, I've definitely had people take some bad stills of me. Oh, yes. yes. I try, like, you know, I want to get, like, good shots of when I do stand-up and stuff. And so I'm like, oh, can you take a few photos? And they're always horrible. Like, not the photos themselves, but just the facial expression Uh, that I'm pulling. Never nice. I've got a catalogue of just the most insane photos that do prove that I've never had Botox. So (laughs) things and roundabouts. That's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Now you've just got to keep that up because now yeah. you've said it. If you do yeah. eventually get Botox in the future, with nothing wrong with that, uh, yeah. but they'll be able to see the photo evidence. You know what? These wrinkles are going to come no matter what. I love my parents, but I know what is to come and what is going <laughs> I'm staring um, into the future. My, yeah. <laughs> Probably met my parents and went, jeez. I mean, <laughs> She's doing okay for now. <laughs> um, anyway, getting into it, I want to ask, what came first, acting, comedy, or presenting? Oh, jeez. Acting, comedy. Well, certainly wasn't presenting. That didn't uh, come first. I'm only talking about me bending over. Um, gosh, probably acting, I would mm-hmm. say, maybe. Because I was one of those really annoying kids that wanted to do everything. Uh, that probably comes under the banner of ADHD these days. And I did everything. Like I was on the debating team and the basketball team and I tried soccer. If there was a sport, I gave it a red hot go. I was in the sports team, but then I was also in the choir and I was doing dance classes and I actually don't think that my parents would be able to sustain that sort of a level of activity with a child if they were to pay what the petrol prices are now because they were Uh, 
me here, there, and everywhere every day of the week. And I'm the youngest of five. So Jesus. no wonder my older siblings were like, you're the favourite. Well, yeah, they were spending all their petrol <laughs> money on me. <laughs> and I did scouts and guides on top of this as well. Yeah. But I did lots of um, theatre productions and dance recitals. So I'd say that that's where it started from there. Yeah, because you the, you and I got in contact because we have a mutual friend, shout out to Kermit, uh, because at, at different times you and I both did Melbourne Gang Show. Yes. Yeah. One of the many theatre productions that I was involved with and absolutely loved my time with Melbourne yeah. Gang Show. And so, he's directly responsible for my radio career. Really? How's that? Because a couple of the guys that I befriended in the cast – they had a community radio show affiliated with the community station that was with their high school. Yeah. High school ended up amalgamating with the university and is now what we know as the Student Youth Network. Wow. I jumped on board their little community radio show and was there for the launch of Sin and was doing a whole bunch of different shows all the while being in high school as well. And then I was getting towards the end of high school and I thought, geez, do I want to be a theatre actress or is there something else that I can do? And I ended up getting into a radio course. I got into university but I didn't take it because it's too far away because I was 17 when I was in year 12. So I didn't want to move to Wodonga because it was too far. And then my brother actually called me and said, hey, there's this broadcasting diploma at Holmes Glen TAFE at Shadston, super close to home. Maybe you could do that for a year and and vibe it out. So, that, yeah, that was how I got into radio. So And that all comes back to the guys that I was doing community radio with and I met them through Melbourne Gang Show. So without them, I wouldn't have even gotten into community radio. I yeah. grew up in Noble Park North. There were <laughs> no community radio stations that I knew of out that way. Yeah, and for those who don't know, Melbourne Gang Show is a, a guide scout produced musical and it's massive. There's like 140 kids in the cast or something between like yeah. 11 and 26. It's huge. And, you got um, an and then you can be in the chorus or you can, you know, have some speaking roles or some solos or you can be in the dance troupe and all yeah. that. Did you have any any lead roles in Gang Show? I did, but I never got any lead acting roles, which I was so miffed about because they kept putting me as one of the senior dancers and it really annoyed me. And <laughs> one of the people were like, hey, that's really good. Like <laughs> you're one of the senior dancers and you've got singing solos as well. Why are you mad? But it turns out my ego just needed a whole lot more gratification <laughs> at the age of 11. <laughs> I, I once got, um, I had an acting role in gang show. I played a Scottish cleaning lady. That's amazing. And I had to <laughs> sing a song with a Scottish accent in a kilt holding a set of bagpipes. That is stunning. What year was that? Oh, I want to say maybe 2012. Okay. Yeah, I'm furious. It's in the pocket of the three years that I haven't watched since leaving. I was living interstate in 2012. I'm very mad. I'm going to need to see footage, thank you. I'm sure I've got some somewhere. I enjoyed it because I, like, I was 17 and I was playing a drunk. Like, I had flasks hidden everywhere. 
I wasn't allowed to go to the the over 18s party because I was only 17, so I couldn't go to the bar. But I was like, I'm playing a drunk. Guys, <laughs> I want to get into my character. Exactly. Well, like, I really want to get into it. Can I have some vodka? Um, mm-hmm. But that's amazing. That is yeah. some stunning casting from them. So oh, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But you you did sort of bring it up there, but because I, I was going to ask, I feel like. Of the three, acting, radio and, and comedy, radio has got to be the hardest to get into when you're starting. Because acting, you can audition for a local show of comedy, you can go to an open mic, but you can't just sort of rock up at a radio station and say, put me on air. Mm, um, like, all right. And yet still, my ego knew no bounds. I'm going to master this no matter what happens, which is incredible thinking that at the age that I did. That is just that level of confidence you only get in your late teens and early 20s. Um, It's truly outstanding. Um, I don't know where I got that level of tenacity, but it was just a no is not an answer. I'll keep going till I find a yes. So I did. (laughs) And studied at TAFE. Went to university, went to Swinburne University and did a course that now no longer exists, which is devastating because it was such a fabulous radio course and there was a wonderful alumni and because of that alumni, that actually helped me with so many connections uh, throughout my radio career. Um, And then when I graduated, I couldn't get a job in Australia. I applied, I did everything that everybody else was doing and I just couldn't get a bite. So I thought, okay, I'll go travel for a little bit and I'll go to a country that no other Australian has ever thought to go to. I'm going to go do a ski season in Canada. <laughs> and I then moved to a town in an apartment building where there were less than 350 people living in that apartment building and yet there were over 280 Australians <laughs> living in it. So. You know, yes. we like the season apparently. Yes. <laughs> and a summer season. I was there for summer as well. And I was living in Lake Louise, not doing radio at all. And just on a road trip one day, I discovered that there was a radio station not too far down the road in a town called Canmore, which is near Banff. And then I emailed my dad because this is in the early noughties. <laughs> so I've emailed dad on dial-up internet and said, hey, dad, I'm going to step you through a folder that you need to find on the computer. It's got some audio of some of the radio stuff that I've done at SIN and at uni. I need you to send me a file that isn't too big that it's, you know, not going to fill my hotmail because I need to send this air check. And bless my dad's cotton socks, he sent it through, found a file, and then I passed it on to the program director of the radio station at Mountain FM in Canmore, and he offered me a job. Wow. So... (laughs) All of a sudden, I was doing radio in Canada. That was my first big-time job. And I remember him coming into the studio on a Saturday morning for my first shift, Rob, who I'm still friends with now, and he said, hey, phones are pretty dead, especially at this hour on a Saturday morning. So just have fun. I'll stay with you for a little bit and make sure that you got a hold of everything. As soon as I spoke, the phones lit up and it was every Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> in the area. <laughs> like, 
hang on a second, where are you from? And when you leave Australia and you're in another place, people can even pick where you're from. So a lot of people were saying, oh, my gosh, you're from Melbourne. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. Which sounds so ridiculous. So, um, yeah, that was really fun. And then I ended up, yeah, getting to do a, a whole lot of fun stuff at Mountain FM and just apparently getting to speak to a lot of Aussies that were living in Lake Louise, Canmore and Banff at the time. And then I ended up coming home and then just fluked the most insane job, again because of scouts and gang show, I kid you not. The head engineer, well, one of the head engineers at Nova 100 in Melbourne, I met through doing Melbourne gang show and Showtime and through Rovers, so, yeah, total scout connection. He and I were in contact when I was overseas and I said, oh, I'm coming back for Christmas for a little bit. Not permanent. He went, ah, oh, we've actually got some casual shifts going at Nova 100. I'll put you on to one of the bosses. And I landed one day, was in having a meeting the next at Nova, and then on air and in the studio, I think, the day or so after that. So wow. shout out to Dan Ennis for yeah. pulling that one up. Um, yeah, so, again, that's another, another gang show scout sort of thing that wouldn't have happened. And then oh, I've just been so blessed to have been gainfully employed ever since coming back from Canada. Yeah, so when 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 was Canada? When was that first gig? 2007? Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. you've done very well to to stay employed for that long. <laughs> doing I feel like redundant, but then fortunate enough to pick up a, a gig after that, which yeah. I mean, I love a redundancy. They are great. <laughs> you can feel the foot on your back but then they get rid of you and pay you. So you yeah. are sitting there for uh, hopefully not too long of a time going, oh, God, I'm done. They're going to find me. They're going to find a way to get rid of me. Mm. And they come to you and offer you money to leave. You're like, this is the best. Sign me up for more of these. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I really like working at Triple M, so I don't need any more. Yeah. I've, I've hit my quota. But, yeah, it's been, it's been great. I love it. Very fortunate. Very, very fortunate. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned Triple M, that's where you are now. How did that gig come about? Because that's another big radio station. Yeah. I did not much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, See, the thing with radio is that you should ideally be constantly building relationships outside of the station or the company Mm. necessarily that you're working with. And that is not for necessary gain. It should be because you want to get better and that there is a programmer or a presenter or a producer or somebody that you really like and respect. And so you want to send them some stuff and go, hey, this is what I'm doing right now on this show. What do you think? Right? Mm. And to be honest, that's how I've gotten all of my jobs for the better part of the last decade, to be perfectly honest with you. They're not things that I applied directly for. They've come from relationships. Um, yeah, and that's often how people do move up in jobs. You've got to make those connections and, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in most industries. Totally. Like yeah. I, I've done two stints at Nova, two stints at Fox. The second stint at Nova was my old boss from Fox was over at Nova and he was like, oh, are you back in Melbourne? Do you want a job? Like, we we have space. I went, okay, this is great. And then I spent a few years at Nova. I got made redundant from Nova and then some mates at Fox were like, hey, do you want a job? We know that you're <laughs> in the 
Nova. I was like, you're kidding me? This is insane. And then I spent some time back at the Fox again, which was unbelievable. And then uh, a friend of mine became the content director at a station in Geelong called K-Rock that I have just loved and adored since I was young and particularly when I got my peas and I drive around to Geelong and Torquay. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm going to take up surfing and be so cool. <laughs> Broke my toe in the earlier efforts of surfing, so not cool, but still mm-hmm. really fun. Um, and so I just always had that as a as an area that I really wanted to do breakfast at. And, yeah, my mate became the boss. He called me up and said, hey, we've got a position. Do you want to come on down? And I went, yes, I will. Thank you so much. While I was down there having the absolute time of my life with my co-host Tom, we were really proactive with sending emails and bits of audio to other presenters and producers and bosses. We we wanted feedback on what we were doing, the mm. way that we were storytelling or the benchmarks and games that we were playing with listeners. We just really wanted a lot of extra help from people that we admired at bigger radio stations and Cap City markets to help us. One of those people uh, was a gentleman uh, is because he's not dead, is a gentleman called Dan Bradley and he is now my boss at Triple M. And Dan and I were passing ships at Nova because he was one of the head bosses at Nova years ago, but he'd left by the time that I went back for my next stint. Uh, unbeknownst to me, he was still listening to Nova every now and then. So then when we were sending little bits of audio, Tom and I, it's like, oh, that's where she is now. Okay. Then he got to Triple M, there was a position vacant and he reached out and now I'm at Triple M and it's been about a year and a half or maybe a little bit more Mm. that I've been there. So just that really constant building relationships and communicating with people, not because you want something tomorrow and not even necessarily because you think a job is going to come out of it, it's it's because you want to be better. Yeah. I'm glad that I had a co-host in Tom that you know he was as proactive and tenacious as I was and so we worked really well together at you know reaching out to people and that has served us both really well so yeah yeah and and you mentioned you know you you used to have a co-host I don't believe you do now do you do you prefer working with with a co-host or doing the the sort of more solo show Oh, I prefer a co-host. <laughs> who listens to me on radio knows I love a co-host because I will get the caller on as many breaks as I can. Yeah. There are not many breaks where it's just me talking. I'm having a yarn to Tim in Pakenham. I've got Pete and Karen Jang. Uh, Damien Clark from Rural Bark. He's another stunning caller. These are all real people. I'm not making them up. They yeah. are some key callers. Matt in Viewbank. Uh, you will notice that these are all male callers, <laughs> Triple M. Uh, there are lots of uh, female callers that call through too, but I end up just having a really great yarn with so many people and getting to learn who their favourite bands are, what they love, certain things that are right up their alley if we're giving away tickets for the Oils or a festival or footy or cricket or something. And as much as I can shine a light on them, that's the best time that I'm having because yeah. it allows me to react to them because if we're talking on a comedy basis of someone who's generating and someone who's reacting, I would much rather react. Yeah. That's sort of where I sit. But my job puts me in a role where I need to generate. 
So I just have to wear both hats in the show and, yeah, get a lot of calls on, have a lot of fun, have a good time, have a laugh. Yeah. Do you have, like, a, a favourite or a most memorable moment with a caller? Oh, hands down. A guy, legend, Huss. We had a thousand conversations in my time at Nova. His beautiful wife, Shireen. We all follow each other on the socials now, okay? <laughs> this is a long-time friendship. And I've been watching their daughters grow up because I remember when Huss called me not only to tell me that his wife, Shireen, was pregnant, but he called me in the birthing theatre and had Nova on because Shireen went into labour while I was on air. So they had Nova playing and my voice came <laughs> in the background. Oh, my God. And she was giving birth to her beautiful daughter, Layla. I was going to say, did they call it Sarah? No, no. Layla. Layla. Maybe inspired by Derek and the Dominoes. I don't know. <laughs> Layla's eight now, almost eight. Wow. Yeah. And that's the standout. Uh, close yeah, second. Absolutely. Like, $100,000 with The Secret Sound, that classic radio competition, mm-hmm. uh, just giving someone a whole lot of money and seeing their life change. Yeah. And then they come into the station to get their novelty check and you take the photo. That's pretty amazing as well. Yeah, yeah that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, in sort of doing the show itself, like, I imagine it would be very difficult without the caller and, and the other people. Do you ever, like, like worry you're going to run out of things to talk about? How much do you prepare before the show? So how long have we been talking for now? <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> At any point since we've been conversing, have you thought, geez, I wonder if she's got enough in the tank? <laughs> But you're also doing this almost every day as well and you'll have a lot of the same people listening. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Are you asking can I roll the same gear? Because I definitely do. <laughs> Much like stand-up, I'm like, you know what, today it's a different time. I've talked yeah. about this joke Monday at 9.15. It's Thursday and it's 11.45. Different crowd. Let's go. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, not all the time. But, you yeah, know, not really. Um, and look, I'll let you in on a little secret. If we're really hard pressed and we need a caller, we absolutely have a bank of names and numbers of people who we can call. Because if you are engaging with the brand and you're calling up and then we build a really great friendship, then at some point I'm going to say to you, hey, I absolutely love having yarn to you because you're just so bloody passionate about Red Hot Chili Peppers and I've never heard anybody love flea as much as you do can i call you whenever you know i've got something to do with red hot chili peppers or whatever yeah yeah no worries that's amazing yeah and then you can give them a buzz you know so but most of the time the phone's ringing people want to have a yarn so i'm there to have said yarn (laughs) do you ever um say something on air and then just like immediately go oh i shouldn't have said that (laughs) um yes (laughs) Yes, I do. <laughs> like the other week when when Trump was impeached for a second time. Mm-hmm. And I really try and stay out of politics from a, you know, perspective as a presenter and on my social media. I'm absolutely opinionated. Mm. 
and I go and vote and I do all those things and I implore people to please vote and don't be one of those people with donkey votes and please know who your mayor is and who's on your council because you pay tax dollars and you pay them. So I'm very much that way inclined, but good luck really finding anything political other than, you know, something on the climate or the environment, really, right? I just don't get into that stuff, not in my comedy, not on radio, not on social media. I'm here for a good time. I'm here for a laugh. It's a release. I'll leave it up to other people. Yeah. But it was breaking news. Trump, first president to be impeached twice. Not only that, 10 of his own crossed the floor to vote against him. And then when the final count came through, it was a pretty substantial lead. I just made a joke saying, well, he didn't even need those 10 people to turn around and cross the floor. There's, you know, there's enough people <laughs> to want to impeach him anyway because he's clearly done enough for it. Anyway, I just, I that was it. There really wasn't that much in it. And, yeah. wow, the phones, they lit up. Yeah. Lots of people calling through. Is don't forget, you, know, you could have hundreds and thousands of people listening at any one time. And, um, yeah, a few Trump supporters called through. And I thought, okay, okay. <laughs> With comedy is, you know, when someone makes a joke, they're like, yeah, but you can't make a joke about Trump. And I was like, it's funny because now you sound really sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> so I just went, okay, I'll, I'll just pop that down, no more light jokes about Trump because I cannot be bothered with the phone calls afterwards. Yeah, that's that's fair. And because I assume, like, you, bas- do you have to take those calls if someone starts calling or can you just sort of go, nope, don't, don't want to do that? Hey, one triple three five three, not working. So sorry. <laughs> Um, look, I'm really big for answering the phone. I don't want to ignore people. Mm. I don't like watching the phone ring out. I want to try and answer as much as I can within my limit while still doing what is required for me in the studio, which is, you know, pushing buttons and playing the music. So I'll always try and answer the phones as much as possible. And even on the really hard days during COVID, because I broadcast right through and I'm on air from 9 till 12, and that just so happened to be Premier Daniel Andrews' favourite time for a press conference when Victoria was dealing with the hardest stage of COVID and then in yeah. lockdown. And for a little while there, we would actually have to stop down and take a bit of the press conference. Because mm-hmm. if you recall, when COVID was kicking off, remember when we'd all sit around the television and watch Scott Morrison do an announcement? <laughs> And then we got sick of that after a while because yeah. we're like, Jesus, this isn't going anywhere anywhere fast, you know. So, yeah, it was kind of like that with Premier Daniel Andrews. We were taking a lot of the press conferences at the start and we dialed it back a lot afterwards. Mm. And the phones would just light up. People with conspiracy theories, people wanting to yell at you, abuse you, uh, you've got the microphone, you're not doing what you are meant to do. Uh, it just would go on and on and on and on <laughs> and on and on. Yeah, and then you'd have some great people call up and they're like, hey, you know, I love the music. Thanks so much. Don't know what's going on right now, but, geez, I'm glad you're playing some new Kingswood or whatever. You go, no worries, mate, thanks for the call. And then you pick up again and then some other person's calling up about, I don't know, some crazy conspiracy theories 
and you're just like, mate, I can't. I'm here to read sheets from DHHS. There are actually government printouts that I need to read as yeah. a presenter. The opinion piece, you can go over to Talkback Radio. You're not going to get it here. I'm just mm. reading what they're saying. That's it. So that was tough. That gets, yeah. a bit, gets a bit trying sometimes. But we're past it now. And the great thing about getting past a hard time is it becomes comedy. So yes. the bottom dollar that I will write some of those people into some comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of your comedy, how long have you been doing stand-up? Ah, officially? Um, um, two, three, three years. Yeah. 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 Properly, I'd say three years. Um, I'd say there's always been a bit of a stand-up flavour when it comes to things that I would MC, mm. and I've certainly MC'd a lot of things. As you mentioned at the top, I work for my beloved Richmond Tigers, which is just yes. because I genuinely barrack for them. Who do you barrack for? Are you AFL? I am a terrible Melbourneian. I don't really follow the AFL. Oh, well, lucky for you, you live in Canberra now. Yes, I do. Though when I first moved here, I, I went to the first day at my job and there was a guy in the office who loves AFL and he found out I was from Melbourne. I was like, yes, somebody to talk AFL with. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't follow it. I will say I've been to a couple of games and I love the atmosphere of it all. Mm. Um, I actually think I've been to a Richmond game. Um, when I was in year 12, I went to a game with my boyfriend at the time and his family. And I think it was Richmond versus Carlton and they were all Carlton supporters. Oh, wow. Um, so, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And I went to like the, um, it's called when they have like the, the comedians and the old players and stuff come on and do sort of like a, it's just like a fun game. It's on Anzac Day normally, I think, or something like that. I don't know, oh, but it's. They were doing a game on the G, on the MC. Yeah, it was on the G. Oh, it was, yeah. That was yeah. Probably... One of those, one of those things, like not a proper game, just sort mm -hmm. of fun, but just like the atmosphere around it. I, I, I do really love going to an actual game, but yeah, I don't, I don't follow the footy. I was yeah. born in Hawthorne, so I feel like I should go for Hawthorne. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> Not a bad bad wagon to choose. A great deal of success <laughs> in the last couple of decades, so it's not that bad. Well done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I worked for GWS when I first started with AFL, but I also had a connection there because my cousin was playing for them at the time. He's now gone to Geelong, um, but yeah, Jeremy Cameron. So I had a, a nice little connection there, but it's a lot easier working for my <laughs> the team that I actually barrack for. But, <laughs> you know, I've been working for Richmond for a long time and I've uh, done cricket and soccer and lots of sporting stuff. So I would be slipping gags in constantly and then if I was booked to host events that happen, you know, things, then galas or whatever, you go and I'd be rolling gear. I'd be writing it in. I'd have my notes and I'd write it in there and, you know, have fun, lighten the load, disarm the room a little bit, have a good time. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, I could really give this a proper go. Um, and, you know, you do stand-up. You mm. know comedians. Yep. It's really easy to understand how you go, yes, I'm going to do this, and then you do absolutely nothing about it. 
for a really long time. And I remember I was catching a flight back to Darwin. I lived there for a year uh, doing radio. And I urgently asked the hostie for a pen and paper. They're like, yeah, no worries. What what do you, you got to write down? And I was like, I've just got this bit. I've just got I've got a bit that I've got to write. Mm-hmm. I ended up writing a whole bunch of bits, like pages after pages. They kept coming and delivering me paper. So that was in 2009, and I didn't do raw until 2017. Whoa! <laughs> so I really had a good think about it for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> really wanted to make sure you know yeah yeah (laughs) one year at the melbourne international comedy festival i reckon i spent almost a thousand dollars on tickets just watching females i committed myself to watching just female i probably saw a couple of males in there because you know Mm. a couple of multi-lineup shows that you go and see yeah but i thought okay this is it I really want to do this, but I wasn't quite sure if I had a voice, if I found a place. A lot of people talking about either being single, and I wasn't single, mm-hmm. uh, or they were talking about having kids, and I didn't have kids. And just the comedians that I go and watch, they just weren't talking about the things that I felt were relevant to my life at that point. Mm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do some research. I'll just go see as many females as I can. And I came out the back of that. Comedy festival, not just poor, but I did learn a lot. And I thought, okay, no, you can. You can do this. You can give it a go. And at the very least, and here's this absolute arrogance and confidence that came through, which is so strange because it really doesn't exist in many other areas of my life. But I thought, okay, you do radio for a living, you tell stories. The worst that is going to happen is that you're going to tell a moderately entertaining story similar to what you would share on air and you might have the crowd engaged for a couple of minutes and that's it. You may not make them absolutely belly laugh but you have them engaged for a bit. Hmm. So I thought, okay, at least I'm not petrified of standing up on a stage holding a microphone because there are so many people that just don't even know how to hold a microphone. So I thought, okay, I've got that on any other sucker. (laughs) And then it was just a matter of getting yourself on some lists and rolling up to open mics and you put your name in the hat because it's Melbourne, there's a 1,000 people all vying for a limited amount of spots and you'd sit there and you'd wait and wait and wait and and I was really fortunate enough to get a few runs underway before my audition for Raw kicked off because Mm -hmm. that was sort of my time. I went, if you register for this, you have to do it. Yeah. So I might have gotten about five open mics under my belt before I did my raw performance. Wow. And I was so happy with it. I was like, amazing. This is it. I live for this now. This is me. Thank you so much. (laughs) And I've just been, yeah, trying to do little bits and bobs and make it work in between, you know, having the radio stuff and then doing sports presenting stuff. And I do a whole bunch of stuff in – advocacy work and ambassador roles with women's health as well. Mm -hmm. I'm an ambassador for the Australian Cervical Cancer Foundation and Endometriosis Australia. So, you know, fingers in lots of pies, but comedy and improv, I do improv as well, which I just love. It's just the thing that makes my heart sing. It's amazing. Even after a crappy gig, you just go off stage and you feel awesome. 
I still like, I don't know about you. Like I, I've been doing it just over a year now, but you know, we've also had COVID in between that. And yeah. every single show I get so terrified beforehand, mm. but the high afterwards when you've made people laugh and you're like, I wrote that joke. Yeah. They laughed at it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so outweighs the the nerves leading up to it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> do you have a drink or anything? Is there a thing that you do that has sort of become your cool your jets? Not really. I will say before my first ever um, open mic, my um, roommate at the time had convinced me to do it and he was coming along to the show with me and before we got in the car, he poured us each a shot of Fireball. Oh. <laughs> and so we did a shot of that and then when I did my second open mic, I was like, maybe, no, I'm I'm not going to start doing a shot of Fireball before every show. <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen. I do, I, I'm sort of still at that stage where like I sort of, I write dot points on the back of my hand. I pretty much never look at it yeah but it's just sort of my safeguard because I'm yeah. so worried that I'm gonna lose my spot and 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 ruin it all but yeah so that's probably I just sort of hype myself up too much before <laughs> and then get on stage and like fuck it yes do yeah. it let's go with it guys I'm yeah. here you're here let's make this happen yeah definitely for anybody who's thinking about doing stand-up you just need to watch a lot of stand-up yeah. It's not it's not that some I've heard people say, Oh, it's really great watching other people fail. Um that's not that no, no, no. that's <laughs> not the point. <laughs> it's that there is this, you know, common ground with some people, not everybody. Not everybody's gonna enjoy my comedy, not everybody's gonna enjoy no, absolutely the most successful comedians in the world, you know, I'll laugh at their gear and you'll go and play that bit to somebody else, you know, you'll find a video and you'll show them, mate, and they're just not cacking themselves like you do. Mm. We've got different senses. Everyone's got different tastes and yeah. Yeah. And at some point you need to just back that you have a great spin or a great joke. Mm on what you are observing or what you are writing and why you want to do it. It's great. Getting people laughing, gosh, that's the best feeling ever. Making other yeah. people smile, that's the best. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, now, I'm not quite sure how, how to transition to this, but you did um, you did mention it earlier that um, you're an ambassador for the um, Australian Cervical Cancer Cervical Cancer Foundation. There's no easy way to transition to cancer. No, there's really not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had it. Yes. I was 22. I was very young. Although, you know, there are other people who get cancer and other awful diseases far younger than I. Um, but, yeah, 22 was when that came and decided to be part of my life's journey, mm. if you will. Uh, it wasn't in, an entire shock to me. My sister had had it and so did my mum. Oh, so wow. fun. non HIV yeah. related but doesn't change the price of fish at the end of the day. Yeah. Hey, you get it, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, so mine was just a little bit different in that sense because I went from having, you know, a, a perfectly clean screen one year and then not the next but I was going every year which my doctors understood why because of family history Mm -hmm. and just a really fun mutation so you know I'm really blessed that I had that knowledge 
and I had great doctors that you know they they encouraged me to yeah come on in we're not going to send you away there's yeah. a reason that you are being overly proactive and go, coming to see us every year rather than every two years which was what the yeah. time limit was on a screening what we then called a pap smear but now we have a new way of screening which is called a cervical screening and that actually picks up the human papillomavirus at a much earlier stage and so that's why you are stretched out to five years now unless of course you were to have a medical history like mine if you've got yeah. anything that's going to cause some red flags then yeah your doctor's going to say come on back in here sunshine we're yeah. not going to go for five years so yeah so 22 had that and uh, that definitely was, you know, something that I had to work around. I was still doing radio. And then after I was dealing with that, then I had a whole bunch of endometriosis stuff to deal with as well and mm -hmm. a lot of operations and hospitalizations. And when you're trying to get yourself on a open mic list, you can be waiting weeks. And I just couldn't put my name down for something because I couldn't guarantee that I wasn't going to be in hospital. Yeah. So I really didn't give everything else a red hot go until I have gotten to the, you know, health uh, level that I am at now. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Kind of had to wait a little bit. But I'm really glad that I did. That's yeah. fine. And I've got a whole bunch more stuff to talk about. <laughs> life experience, you know, the, the more things that happen. If something bad happens in life, my friends and I, we all just turn to each other and we just say content because they know that it will either become radio content or comedy content. Yeah. Life experience. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Or creative. So you just keep drawing on that. But it does make you learn a lot of lessons real quick. You know, your friends are going out and getting pissed and having a, a lot of fun and you're like, I'm just here at home with my steroids and resting and recovering. <laughs> And yeah. hoping that my white blood cell counts good. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I just, I think it's just something that I see as a blessing because every single injury and ailment I have has helped form the way that I live my life now. And there is no way that I would be as healthy as what I am now had I not have gone through all of those things. So super thankful, taught me a whole bunch and definitely brought me back down to earth as well. You know, yeah. if I had cancer, I don't know how arrogant I'd be, <laughs> you know. So, well, there's my quote uh, for the episode. I <laughs> <laughs> kept my ego under control. <laughs> And my sex life, because I tell you what, it's pretty inactive when you're having a lot of operations down there. <laughs> but, geez, a lot of people are having a look as well. I've never been more well-kept in my life, you know. <laughs> they get a, a Brazilian wax is tough. You might stretch that out to once every eight weeks or something, right? And more people get laser now. Me, oh, my gosh, I'm having an appointment with the GP and then the gynecologist and then there's a, a medical student that wants to come and observe because they've never seen someone at 22 have cervical cancer so your leg's in stirrups and there's four people at the end of it and you're thinking geez I'm glad I went to Brazilian butterfly three days ago because <laughs> you may have had an obstructed view mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. somehow somewhere so you gotta laugh you, yeah. you 
after <laughs> the comedy gold in it. And I definitely did and had some of the best belly laughs ever when I've been I'm recovering saying, in the hospital. <laughs> I had I had my first screening last year. And um, I, I absolutely love my doctor. She's an absolute blast. And after she did the screening, she, like, popped up. She's like, you have a very visible cervix. I That's like that beautiful. in a person. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that that went into a stand-up set. Uh, <laughs> very visible cervix. Um, okay. I like that in a person. I like and, yeah, just like tying a beautiful ribbon mm. on, on statement. I don't need a pretty face. I've got a visible I've got a visible surface. Not to brag. <laughs> but guys, I've got I a very know. visible surface. Uh, <laughs> and my uterus isn't tilted, so you know, I have hit the jackpot. Yeah. Yeah. Talk <laughs> about the package. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are terms that I reckon a few people wouldn't understand. Uh, <laughs> but if you have a cervix or a uterus, um, having it visible and, you know, having a, a particular shaped uterus or tilt definitely means something. So yep. those are some of the things that might get rolled when you're having one of these cervical screenings, either done by your general practitioner or a gynecologist if you need further examination. Just one of the standard things that we need to do. You know, everybody needs to check their bits. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely everybody. So you can do that and be on top of that. Basically, the older that you get, the more responsibilities you have, which, you know, when you're in high school and everybody's like, oh, these are the best years of your life and you're looking at that adult that's saying it to you going, you have no idea how horrendous school is. And, you know, you might be getting bullied or just having the worst time. And then you become an adult. You're like, oh, I get why they were saying that now. It's not because you're having the best time of your life. It's because you're not having the worst time of your life. <laughs> Unlike when you become an adult. <laughs> and the older you get, the more expensive everything becomes. Yeah. <laughs> your insurance and everything. It's just, oh, you're on the other side of, of 30 now, okay? Premiums, up. <laughs> Health insurance, up. <laughs> life insurance, up. <laughs> I for Christmas like I I found this book in an in, in an op shop and I gave it to my uh my sister in law and she it's one of those like you know those like things that have like positive statements and stuff and and this is sort of like that but with like more of a cynical twist on it and my favorite one in there was uh if at first you do succeed try not to look too surprised <laughs> I love that. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Someone should have handed that to me. As an author, I probably could have used that, maybe. I don't know. Could have pulled me a little bit. <laughs> oh. This is enough. I was such an arrogant prick. <laughs> really, I was. I, I, I always say to anybody who has been in my life for more than 15 years, they deserve a medal because they went through the toughest years of my ego and my arrogance. <laughs> um, if someone met me, you know, pre-22 and they haven't seen me since and then someone was like, oh, what do you think of her? They go, she is awful. And I don't blame them because they are only going off what they saw. So, 
Are, are you getting to the point, like in the bell curve, where where the ego is going to start going up again? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite possible. <laughs> Maybe doing stand up is it going to help me with that? Just bounce it right back up again. People <laughs> laughing. Now the twenties definitely dropped me back a few pegs. That was yeah, it cut me yeah. down. It was great. It was definitely needed. Uh, it's nothing like just a couple of chronic illnesses just to go. Hey mate, level yourself back a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good. That's just life. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> now, we are getting close to the end here, uh, but I always like to ask a random question okay. uh, of, of my guests, and it's different for each person. So my question for you um, has two parts. Oh. Uh, what is something that you thought was true for way too long, and how did you find out it wasn't? What is something I thought was true for way too long and found out that it wasn't? That for a really long time, if you would see, and this is more evident on social media, right, but, you know, let's bring this back pre-social media. So you could even go probably pre-MySpace too, right? The people who presented to be so happy their relationships and their families and everything were just so perfect and then you would go home and go wow they've got this incredible life and I just need to keep working on mine yeah it's not looking like what they're doing you then eventually wake up and realize that it isn't necessarily you genuinely have no idea what battle someone is going through. Yeah. And yet they have still rocked up to work with a sunny disposition and that they are talking about their partner as if, you know, they and their partner are still in the honeymoon phase but may not be at all. Mm. And that you just need to be way more considerate and understanding and empathetic towards those around you because it's not necessarily how it seems and that took me a really really long time to be at utter peace with to stop trying to uh, be at this level that other people may be either single in a relationship or in a family because you actually don't know what the whole story is so there's no there's no point it's actually such a waste of energy and time comparing yourself it actually achieves nothing other than maybe releasing far too much cortisol into your body which isn't a good time so you know xnay on the cortisol we want more dopamine let's just get yeah. more dopamine hits out there and comparing yourself to people and trying to have this measuring stick is certainly not going to do that i uh, don't know what the magic age is but when you stop doing that, it's got to be somewhere in your 20s because I reckon yeah. five teenagers are still comparing themselves <laughs> and those in their early 20s. It can't, at some point it comes somewhere. It, it's, I, I yeah. think I hope it's in your 20s. I, I think. think it is, yeah. I definitely think it's in your 20s. I think, I think in your 20s is when you're sort of you're realising that but still trying to get out of the habit yeah. of comparing yourself. You're like, I know that's not what it's really like. I'm still sort of comparing myself to it but sort of yeah. still have that, like, I know it's not really like that. Yeah. There's, yeah. You know, maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it'll happen with time. I think age definitely does help because the older I get, 
just the more fun and the happier that I get. Like I just froth yeah. on it is just the best. Like turning 30 and entering my 30s has just been the tits, basically. Um, although, I mean, low benchmark set from my 20s, though. Am I right? <laughs> but 30s, amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. I will say you, you took that question on a far more, like, philosophical, grounded way that, that I was expecting and I really appreciate it but it makes my example seem really <laughs> cosmetic. Did you think that I was going to say um, I thought Oreos had dairy product in them and then I found out that they're actually vegan? Well like something along those lines but um, I appreciate where you went with it um, but I'm still going to give my example even though no. it's going to make me seem so shallow compared to the one you gave. Uh, <laughs> No judgment, judgment free zone, no, right? Yeah, I will say I don't know how old I was when this. So like I probably like I was definitely still a kid, but um I I think the way I found out Santa. Oh, hey, if whoa, anyone's whoa. got any kids in the car, um, <laughs> mute. Um, <laughs> the way I found out um, Santa wasn't real was that um, I was snooping through my parents' drawers to find my presents before Christmas. One of the ones that I found then ended up in, like, my Santa stocking, and I was like, something's, something's going on here. But yeah. then I pretended to keep believing in Santa because I figured if I knew, then my right. sister, who's older than me, probably knew, and if my our parents knew that both of us knew, we might not get the presents anymore. 100%. So I just the- kept, pardon? Are you the youngest? I am the youngest, yes. Yeah, then it's all on you. you you've got to keep yeah, going. Exactly. Yeah. I was of the opinion that because my sister is three years older than me that I should have gotten three more years of Santa presents um, than she did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because um, she got them until she, I don't know what age, probably like 14, and I stopped getting them at like 11. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 she should stop getting them and I should get them for another three years. That's amazing. I really love that justification. Yeah, yeah. I definitely kept the ruse up as well. There was definitely a point where I went, this isn't real, but I'm going to keep going because that's a big burden to carry. If if I tell mum and dad the jig's up, then we don't score all these extra, well, you know what, not even just Christmas presents but the Easter Bunny as well and the Tooth Fairy. And the Tooth tooth Fairy, let me tell you, delivered on some – outlandish requests that egotistical 10-year-old me was making. I'm like, guys, that's a molar. You know, it's a late molar and I deserve a, a couple of extra $2 coins for that one because <laughs> it's Friday and it's tuck shop day. So <laughs> I had to keep rolling with that. You bartered with the tooth fairy. 100%. I, I absolutely was increasing the prices the older that I would get. Inflation absolutely existed with my teeth. That's fantastic. I will say when when I was in primary school, um, a boy in my class um, told me that Santa wasn't real and I was very, very upset. And I remember my dad saying to me, who are you going to believe, Ah. me or some boy in your class? Good work, Dad. Oh, and now I'm like, is this why I have trust issues? (laughs) (laughs) 
we could we could put that down as maybe one possibility. <laughs> like it's not a podcast the day. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my uh, my last question for you is a question I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. The show uh-huh. is called Loud and Seemingly Confident because that's how I want to describe myself. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a confident person? Okay. This is something that my partner and I debate about a fair bit. Yeah. Because he is one of the great introverts, one of the best, and he flatly refuses to take on how I view myself. So it's in compartments. My confidence is in compartments. Mm -hmm. And it's very much... um, Oh, you know, it ebbs and flows. There's certain things that I'll go, you you know, things that I can confidently do, walk, tick, can do, (laughs) drive a car, some days better than others. We've all missed something here and there, right? Mm -hmm. And God forbid that you have a car accident, that would knock your confidence, right? Uh, You think you're going well on air one day and then you make a little old joke about Donald Trump and then (laughs) some people start calling. That knocks your confidence about, right? (laughs) you got to step back up again. Um, So, you know, I think there's a healthy level of confidence that can definitely be blown over in in moments, you know. You know, it's it's not this arrogance and this confidence that I had when I was in uni saying, hey, guys, I'm going to be in Cap City radio in two years and people looking at me like that is really funny because a lot of people spend years out in regional radio and I was like yeah I know but I'm gonna do it and look I did so that didn't help (laughs) confidence either and I was just really full of myself so you know 21 year old me as I said the cancer came at a good time knocked me straight back down Yeah, it's it's a healthy level of confidence, can be swayed. It's there when I need it and it's not too outlandish that I'm not self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that comes up a lot when I ask this question is the difference between confidence and and being cocky Mm. um, and that sort of arrogance. There is a big difference between the two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then also in a performance space as well, you know, you need – to have confidence that the joke that you're making is going to land because if you say your joke in an upward inflection and it's a question yeah. the crowd's like I don't know like is that a joke is, or you're is, is it the end of the is, is it the end of the joke <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> Australians by nature we do yeah. inflection a lot you need to have that sort of confidence but you may not have had anywhere near that level of confidence before getting onto the stage you could have done three nervous poos before going on stage and then needed to have five drinks after you got off stage as well. But, you know, that five-minute bit, geez, you were fully packed and loaded Yeah. with it. So, you know, ebbs and flows. Ebbs and flows, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sarah Marie. This has been an absolute pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) We could do a part two. Um, maybe just on our own. I don't know if anybody else wants to necessarily hear me all over again. But this has been great. and I would love to have you back for another one. I'm sure we can find so much more to talk about. As I said earlier.
not going to run out of things to talk about. Uh, but when you're next in Melbourne, if I'm next in Canberra, let's see each other face to face with or without a microphone to record our conversations. Yes. Um, but again, thank you so much, and 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 thank you everyone for listening. Um, please subscribe, leave a review, share it, all of those things. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Chelsea J Heaney or the podcast at Loud and Seemingly Confident. Sarah Marie, where can people find more about you? You can find me on the socials if you search Sarah Marie. So here's the instructions. It's Sarah with an H, there's no hyphen, and it's Marie with a double E. How's that? Beautiful. We like that. And my handles are Sarah Marie Life for you know, Instagram and TikTok and uh, Twitter. But, yeah, if you just, if you if you spell my name in a search engine the correct way, I will come up. I am Sounds not Sarah Marie from Big Brother. <laughs> that's when I was doing research, that came up a couple of times. I was like, was she a big? No, that's a different yeah. person. That's yeah. a different person. She's great. What a wonderful human she is. But she's Sarah without an H, with a hyphen and an IE. So. Ah, there you go. Yeah, at least you've got that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Just go with the double E, you'll find me. Yeah, beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been amazing. It's been an absolute hoot, a pleasure. Thank you so much. Look forward to hearing your other episodes with the other fine people.